0: Two weeks ago, you all probably remembered that Brother Elam brought a sermon, a challenging message that was titled, Jesus is Coming Back. And then last week, Brother Dave, he brought an inspiring message titled, How Soon Will It Be? And I thought the Lord was leading me to, to share a message in response to those two messages. And I asked the Lord to give me a direct me to a passage of scripture that would be an appropriate response to those two messages. So this morning I invite you for a text to 2 Peter chapter three. 2 Peter chapter three verses 11 to 14 would be the text. I'd like to consider this passage, this chapter. 2 Peter chapter three verses 11 to 14. that ye look for such things be diligent that ye be found of him in peace without spot and blameless god's word is sure and these verses help us to make a determination what is it that's important in life what's not important what is it that will last and what is it that is that will not last and I'd just like to tell you all that I felt these verses were a tremendous challenge to me as I prepared for this sermon. And I ask, isn't it true that my focus and my investment in 2022 is leading to me to one of two destinies, either to heaven or to hell? That makes life serious. And isn't that true of you? What is your focus? What are you looking at? What is what are you investing in? Life is serious. The title of the message is What is Temporal and What is Eternal? So I'd like to consider the first seven verses. The first point of the message would be a condition of the last days. First Peter chapter three, verses one to seven. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. And what is the condition of the last days? Verse 3, Knowing this first, that there shall be in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, Where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continued as they were from the beginning of creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of that by the word, word of God, the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overflowed with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. It seems that we as people can become forgetful. And Peter is challenging the the Christians to remember, to call these things to mind. And we often become distracted. And I'd like to ask you, do the messages that you hear on Sunday morning, how do they affect you? When Brother Elam preached a sermon, Jesus is coming back. What does that mean to you? And one day speaks of the imminency of the return of Christ. How soon will it be? Does it just challenge you? Or does it change you? Does it make a difference? In verses 3 to 6, it talks about, In the last days, scoffers will come. The Greek definition for scoffer means a false teacher or a mocker. A false teacher would be somebody who has the influence But what kind of influence? They were making fun of God's word. They were ridiculing God's word. And you know, you read the papers and you you hear from the news, there's a lot of scoffing going on in our world today. People making fun of God's word. Verse 4, it says, and saying. So this is verbal. These people are scoffing verbally. But I believe it's more than just a verbal scoffing. There may be many people in our world today that may not scoff verbally, but the life that they're living proves that they indeed are a scoffer. Would you, believe, would you agree with that? How many people have you seen in the world today, they might not say it, they might not scoff verbally, but by the life that they're living, they are indeed a scoffer, not believing God's Word, and we we know of cases like that. They demonstrate a lack of respect and reverence for God and His Word. It kind of reminds me of David and Goliath. Goliath came and he cursed the gods of Israel and the armies of the children of Israel. And David took an offense. Do you and I, do we take an offense sometimes when we see scoffers in our world Do we take an offense or do we think, well, that's the way the world is. Uh, It doesn't affect me that much. Verse 5, for this they willingly are ignorant of. This is a deliberate willfulness, a deliberate scoffing. They disregard the previous judgments of God. They said, um, all things continue the same as they always have. But is that true? They willingly they are willing to overlook truth. God's word talks about the angels that were thrown out of heaven. You know how that account was. And you also God's word, I didn't look it up. I think what is it? Is it Genesis chapter 6 when Noah Noah and the flood, you know, obviously God's word speaks to judgment and the flood. And then also the account of Sodom and Gomorrah. God brought judgment. These people say, well, things are always just like they always have been. There's been no change. But they willingly disregard what God has said in the word about judgment, about the angels, about Noah the flood, about Sodom and Gomorrah. God's word is true. Second point of the message would be, God's judgment shall not precede his mercy. I'd like to read verses 8 to 10. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promises. Some men count slackness, but is longsuffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. I'm glad that God's judgment will not precede his mercy. God's love and mercy have been made uh, to mankind God has made provision through his son for fallen mankind and for me. That one song we just sang was really personal. It talked about the sacrifice that God did for me in a personal way. I think about the time that would pass. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, it speaks of the coming Savior. How long did it take from the time of the promised Messiah until it was fulfilled? It was probably about 4,000 years. And then thinking about the mercy of God when, he, when Noah preached before the people. He preached for, what, a hundred years as he was building the ark? There was mercy available. And then thirdly, God's warning of judgment in the Old Testament until now is probably about 2,000 years. Many of you probably can think of times that God has been merciful in your experience Are you glad for that mercy? It reminds me, it's been a long time ago, if I remember right, Brother Tony Sanchez told a story some years ago that before he came to Christ, he was living a reckless life. And God had spared him several times until he was going down the road in a motorcycle, on a motorcycle. And he had a wreck, and... It seemed that God told him, Tony, this is it. Either you accept me now or I'm I'm going to take my protection away from you. And Tony was so glad that God protected him once again. And then he gave his heart to the Lord. How many of you can think of times when God's mercy, judgment is coming, that's true. But God's mercy comes before. And, you know, I'm sure that Tony was glad for the mercy of God. Many of you can recount of how God was merciful on your behalf. I couldn't help but think of Brother Branson Conley when he was loading the load of logs some years ago. He told the story of how, I don't, re, I don't know how all this happened, but if I understand right, there was a straight truck, and he was down underneath the load of logs, I guess, hooking the chains and throwing the chain up over the top. And while he was under that load of logs, the logs shifted. And he was expecting maybe to be crushed. And he said, I would have went to hell. And he would share with tears running down his cheeks of God's mercy. Has God been merciful to you? Judgment is coming, that's true. But God's mercy is here. What a blessing. How many of us? I hope we never take God's mercy for granted. But mercy will not extend forever. Verse 10 says, But the day of the Lord will come suddenly and without delay. And what is it when God comes and things are rolled up and things burn? What is it that will perish? What is it that will burn up? I'd like to suggest a few from this passage. What will burn up when God's judgment comes? The heavens, the sun, the moon, the planets, the stars, the earth, mankind's great achievements, building projects, banking institution, everything up in smoke. Those things tangible go on up in smoke. Those things we're thinking this morning about those things that are temporal and those things that are eternal. And we need to have a clear view of which is each, which one is which. We need a clear view. So I'd like to suggest let me ask a question once again what is temporal and what is eternal and I would like to share just a few practical questions that came to me as I thought in my life what is temporal and what is eternal and where am I placing my focus, my investment of my energies here's a few questions that came to me what is my ambition in life Where is my primary focus? On what am I investing my abilities and my energy? As my neighbors and acquaintances observe my life, what would they say is most important to me? Is it temporal? Is it eternal? Third point of the message. These are the text verses once again. I'd like to share them, read them once again. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hastening unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with ferving heat? Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and without blame. I'd just like to suggest to you that, that God's word and the Holy Spirit are the best filter or the only uh, proper filter that we can have to help us to understand, to filter out those things that are temporal. I brought along a filter that we use in the chicken house. Sally, we probably use these 30 years continuously in our chicken house. Uh, And this helps filter out the sediment. We have sediment in our water. We have a little sand, a little sediment in our water, and we run these continually. Now, sometimes people may say, well, you know, that stuff really restricts, restricts the flow. I'm tired of changing filters, so why don't we just take the filter out? And, you know, then the flow of water can... You know, we won't have no restriction of the water. Well, what would happen if we do that? Most likely, it would soon start building up in the waters and their sand and grit would get in the, the nipple drinkers and they probably wouldn't cut off and there would be big floods and various other reasons if we decide, well, these things aren't, you know, the, the filter is not necessary. But I'd like to suggest to you, brothers and sisters, that Jesus Christ, his word... And the Holy Spirit is a filter that we need to help us to understand, you know, what is important, what is temporal, what is eternal. There's some people that just say, well, let's get rid of the word. It's just too restrictive, and they, they throw it away. And, you know, that's nothing but a recipe for disaster when people do that. And there's a lot of pollution, and there's a lot of contamination that will come into a person's life because they throw it away. And I've heard of accounts where people maybe have went up into a mountain somewhere and say, well, you know, I want to pray to God and see what he's got to say. And they may came by, come back, and I know of account, and I won't speak of it here, but a person came back and said, as I was praying, God revealed to me such and such. It did not line up with God's word, but they, they felt like they had their answer. And it's sad when people decide that no filter is necessary, no God, no Bible, no Holy Spirit is necessary, and their life becomes fragmented and a mess. God's Word is the only proper filter to help us to consider what's temporal and what's eternal. And since God's Word has warned us what will be the ultimate end of all those things that are temporal, should that change our focus or should that help us should our focus be redirected and I'd just like to suggest that these four text verses that we're considering here should help us determine what is it that's temporal and what's eternal I will have to admit to you uh, brother Elam I'm glad you share but. You know, sometimes if the time's a little bit short, I feel a certain tension between the clock and my notes that I have. Bear with me. I'll try to move move quickly. But I'd like to consider very briefly, what, is, what are those things that are that temporal? There was a man who was concerned about his earthly inheritance. Turn with me to Luke chapter 12. Luke chapter 12, a man concerned about an earthly inheritance, verses 13 to 15. And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he divide the inheritance with me. And he said unto him, Jesus said, Man, who made me a judge or a divider over you? And he said unto him, Take heed, Jesus said, Take heed and beware of covetousness. And I want you to pay attention. This is a challenge for all of us living here today. For a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. That's temporal. Those things, the accumulation of wealth and pleasure and properties and things, those things are temporal. Jesus said, beware of covetous, for a man's life consisteth not in the abundance of the things that he possesses. I think we could spend about all morning and conclude right there on that verse. What a tremendous challenge in the day in which we live to consider about uh, covetousness and that sort of thing. Uh, Drop down a couple verses later. Actually, the next verse, there was a, a rich man who had a small barn. Look at chapter 12, verse 16 to 20 and 21. And he spake a parable unto them. The ground of a certain rich man brought forth plentifully, and he thought within himself, What shall I do, because I have no room where to bestow my fruits? And he said, This will I do. I'll pull down my barns and build greater, and I will bestow all my fruits and all my goods, and I will say to my soul, Soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said unto him, Thou fool. This night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then who shall those things be which thou hast provided? So is he that layeth up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. Obviously, this is temporal. This man had a temporal problem, a temporal issue, and uh, he was rebuked. Jesus said, Thou fool. A rich man with a small barn. I'd like to ask a couple of questions just for your consideration. You don't have to respond unless you want to unless you want to. If I have the money, does it justify the purpose the purchase? If I have the money to buy something, does that justify a pur- purchase? What do you think? Is it okay to put on blinders that obscure the needs of others? and spend money indiscriminately on myself and my family? Is that okay? Should I put blinders on so that I can't see the needs around me and so I can spend money on myself and my family? Is that all right? And I was challenged by another brother in another state recently with a question, something like this. How do I view the money I have left over after my tithe? Who's the owner? Do I feel like if I come here on a Sunday morning, Samuel and the the ushers pass the plate and I put in my 10%, I'm good to go. I can use this, the 90%, how I want to. Is that right? How do you feel? What do you think? Who is the owner? What do you say? Once again, just some questions to consider as we think about what's temporal, what's eternal. And I'd like to turn it over, the coin over, and consider what is it that is eternal. And I ask, is there anything more important than my relationship with God? What do you say? Is there anything more important than my relationship with God? Matthew 6, verse 33, But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and what? Thank you. All these things will be added unto you. Thank you. Is there anything more important than my relationship with God? Another question. What is the quality of my offering to God? The things that I offer God, are they quality? Or are they kind of what's left over? What about my time, my energy, my resources, my money? What is the quality of what I offer to God? Now, this morning, we have some visitors, but I don't see Governor Glenn Youngkin here. But let's say Glenn Youngkin would be sitting here on the bench beside Elam. And let's say that uh, Everett and Clinton had two turkeys that they brought, and Glenn Youngkin was going to pardon one of them. But they decided that out of the goodness of their heart, they just kind of wanted to give a, a turkey to Glenn Youngkin Suppose that this, this his a, let's say his average of turkeys are supposedly in the 45-pound range. Is that pretty close, Everett? 45 pounds, and what they give to Glenn Youngkin is about 27-pound turkey. He's got one leg that, that got bent or broke over and is in awful shape, and they decided that they wanted to give this turkey to Glenn Youngkin. Jesus didn't speak of Glenn Youngkin, but he did speak to the issue. Malachi chapter 1, verse 8. Let's go back to verse 7. Ye offer polluted bread upon my altar, and you say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that, ye say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. Verse 8. And if ye offer the blind for sacrifice, is it not evil? And if ye offer the lame and the sick... Is it not evil? Offer it now unto your governor. Glenn Yonkin doesn't say that in the Bible. But will he be pleased with thee or accept thy person, saith the Lord of hosts? What is the quality of what we offer God? Is it blemished? I'm asking, is it blemished? And I'm speaking to myself as well. Thinking of what is temporal, what's eternal. I don't know if I have time to to read this passage as as much as I'd like. I'd like to read a little bit from First Timothy chapter one, verse six. First Timothy chapter I'm sorry, first Timothy chapter six, verse six. But godliness with contentment is great gain. That is eternal. And then go down to verse nine, it drops back into what is temporal. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition for the love of money, is the root of all evil, and so on. Drop down to verse 11. But thou, O men of God, here at the peak, women at the peak, flee those things and follow after righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and meekness, going back to the eternal once again. Third point of the message, protection from error. I'd like to read 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 15 to 18. 2 Peter chapter 3 verses 15 to 18. An account that the long suffering of the Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul also, according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things in which are some Hard to be understood which they that are unlearned and unstable rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. I'd like to focus mainly on the last two verses. Verse 17, ye therefore beloved seeing ye know these things before beware lest ye also being led away with the air of the wicked fallen from your own steadfastness. What's the other side? Verse 18, But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. God warns us of the danger of the world's drive and the world's focus and their desire for wealth and riches and pleasure. Their focus is on the temporal and those, th- those things God will soon destroy how can we offset that? Verse 18, but grow in grace in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. How can you and I remain steadfast in our faith to Jesus Christ? How can we be sure that our focus is on the eternal and on those things that will last throughout eternity? And God's word does answer it here in verse 18. How can we be sure, how can we be steadfast but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be glory both now and forever. In conclusion, brothers and sisters, God's word and the Holy Spirit will help us to filter out the filth and contamination of the world. They will help us to determine what is temporal and what is eternal. And we're able to detect the counterfeit as we become increasingly familiar with the genuine. You know how, if it's my understanding in the banking industry, that people that tell us how they determine what is counterfeit, they spend a lot of time looking at the genuine, what is right. And brothers and sisters, we're no different. If the more time and effort we spend in God's word, we can determine what is temporal, what's eternal. And I, I encourage you and myself, to spend, become more and more familiar with the genuine God's word. How is it possible to grow in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And I suggest to you, brothers and sisters, we must be intentional. I'd like to suggest five things and we'll close. Number one, we need to make it a matter of priority. The Bible says, but seek ye First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Make it a matter of priority. Secondly, we need to be sensitive and responsive to the Holy Spirit. Thirdly, we need to spend much time in prayer. We need to recognize our own weakness, our own weaknesses and our own inability. Jesus said, without me, you can do nothing. We need to spend much time in prayer. You know, I wonder maybe sometime, Maybe this is indictment on Jay. I should have less in content, maybe so the message don't go quite as long, and I should spend some more time in prayer. I do try to spend time in, in preparation and study, but prayer, we need to recognize there's tremendous power in prayer, and I could do better. Fourthly, Take advantage of the opportunities for spiritual enrichment. You already did that this morning, you're here. Praise God, you're here on Sunday morning. What about Sunday, Sunday evening, Wednesday night and the other opportunities? How, do we, how are we steadfast? Take advantage of the opportunities and take advantage yeah, of those things for spiritual enrichment. And, and fifth, exercise your talents and God-given abilities for His glory. It may, be, may take you out of your comfort zone. Someone from the Sunday night planning committee might come to you and say, hey, would you have a topic? Would you do this or you that? And you might say, well, I'm not used to doing that. Exercise your talents and your God-given abilities for his glory. May God bless each of you with wisdom and discernment as you determine what is temporal and what is eternal. God bless you, and shall we have a song?